You're listening to The Rick Z Show. I'm your host, Rick Z, and on today's episode, we have a great guest with us on the phone today. His name is Peter O'Brien. Peter, welcome to The Rick Z Show. Thank you, Rick. Before we go any further, I'd like to play something so our listeners can hear your drumming, ones that don't already know you're playing. Let's play some live Orleans. Can we play that? Sure. Do it. Thank you. 
have a son that you name Miles. Uh, I'm assuming that's for Miles Davis. Anyone that has a son named Miles, I always assume it's because of Miles Davis. Right. Yes, he is named after Miles Davis. And he's also a musician, a drummer, I believe, right? He is, yeah. Does he play in a, a local band or play out anywhere? No, he hasn't really played out. I mean, he was playing out, what was that? They called the band Zyda Jones, which was my daughter's funny wordplay on Catherine Zeta Jones. Somehow she came up with that. Huh. And uh, that was my daughter, Lauren, who sings and uh, writes, and her boyfriend, Calvin Alfaro, and my son, Miles had a band together that they were playing out with but he hasn't done much recently in terms of playing out he's into programming tracks and doing that kind of like electronic kind of thing these days he's kind of finding his way still but he's he's doing it great i'd like to hear him play sometime yeah and my older son plays as well although not professionally my oldest son sean also plays and is really good but he decided to um, he's like a building foreman in the city now, a different direction prof- professionally. Yeah, well, that was smart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As a musician myself, I'm saying that was right. very, very smart. Yeah, you know, I'm sure, like, after seeing me, you know, it's not always easy. And, um, you know, you see the struggle, you might decide to do something else. You know? Yeah, smart man, but he also had big shoes to fill because you're his dad, so, I mean, you know. Let's talk about some of the jazz work you did. I'm really interested in, in the work you did with John Esposito and also Eric Person. What can you tell me about those two guys as artists? Eric Person, he plays, uh, I believe it's an alto saxophone that he plays, right? He plays alto and soprano. Oh, and soprano. Okay. Yeah. And he's actually, he plays, he plays tenor on some records as well, but his primary instruments are uh, alto and soprano. You know, in, in this area, you certainly don't make as much money playing jazz as you do pop music. I know you play beyond just this area, but do you find you have to kind of do jazz for yourself and then to make bigger money, play with the pop artists? Not necessarily. That would be easy to think, although really up here, if you're talking about playing local venues, which I would sort of limit doing that because, you know, Many of the local venues don't really pay musicians. I try not to do too much of that. Yeah. But oftentimes, really, you make more playing jazz because the level of people I play with get paid. And also, the patrons are very appreciative. And, you know, there's donations and, you know, places like the Falcon and different places. And you walk out with quite good money, usually. And, you know, for years, I was really making more money playing jazz than other things, even even when I was in Orleans, because they would work a limited amount of time. And meanwhile, you know, I'd be going out on like a seven-week tour with Eric Person, making good money, and was playing on a lot of records. And So it's not always the case. You know, sometimes playing pop music can you know, certainly be more lucrative, but it's not always the case. Well, let's listen you to know, some if of the... Playing, if you're playing beyond just the local level, especially. Right. Yeah, locally it's tough. I mean, you know, you probably have more success locally being in uh, a cover band or a country band than doing anything else. Uh, it just depends on networking and, and doing it for a long time in the area and knowing a lot of clubs you can play at regularly. That's hard right. enough. That's always been a topic amongst 
local players. Like sometimes, you know, you get in arguments with different people who, you know, are playing for less than they should. Yeah. And, you know, occasionally get a call for something like that and try to get the person to not do the gig. <laughs> because, like, you know, it's hard, hard for the rest of us to get paid if people are going to, like, pay for, you know, play for, like, little money. And it happens all the time around here, I've noticed. Yeah, yeah. So let's play a little bit of this great jazz music that you created with Eric Person. Can we hear a little something? Sure. Check this out.
Well, Peter, you're certainly a great jazz player as well as a pop artist on drums as well. And no surprise that Mr. Jack DeJeanette is a fan of yours. Are you guys friends? Yes, we are. Yeah, I met Jack when I was 16 years old, as a matter of fact. I mean, talk about great. Tell you about that a little bit. Please do. I mean, we're talking about one of the greatest jazz drummers in modern jazz, period. Yeah, I met Jack at the drum clinic that my teacher, very famous teacher I was studying with in Long Island, Charlie Perry, was putting on. Charlie and Jack were tight, and they actually wrote the book, The Art of Jazz Drumming, together. So I met Jack when I was 16, and Jack took a great interest in me at that point, and, and we've you know, continued our relationship through the years. Do you ever get intimidated by somebody like Jack? Uh, musically speaking, you certainly have no reason to, but this is Jack DeJeanette. I mean, obviously you guys are friends now, so it might be different, but, I mean, he's a giant. You know, maybe occasionally in certain situations there might be somebody that, you know, I'm in complete awe of. I tend to usually like if it's a situation where I'm playing around people like that I tend to rise up and I don't get really nervous but you know there's certainly some people that I've met Jack included that I'm just in awe of you know and um, try to uh, remind myself that you know this is a fellow human being as well <laughs> even though they're, they might be a godlike figure to me you know it's always interesting it's kind of rare for me to get nervous and you know intimidated playing in front of people but occasionally you've played with so many great people too I've compiled a little bit of a list and maybe you could say just a a little bit about each of these people some of them have been on this very show starting with Mm -hmm. the great jazz bassist Ira Coleman who is a sweet guy and a great artist I know you guys have worked together sure we just worked together the other day I run into Ira from time to time in town. He always stops me, and he's just a very thoughtful person, and I could tell he's a very thoughtful musician as well. I mean, he thinks very deeply about jazz, certainly knows a lot about jazz, and has worked with all the greats. Right. He must be great to work with. Yes. Yeah, Ira is great to play with, Um, and you're right, he is a great person, and he is a very thoughtful person and a thoughtful player, and... um, He's a consummate pro, and I've actually gotten, you know, played a lot with him over the years and learned a lot from him, and we've been playing a lot. As a matter of fact, through this, I should have mentioned, through this whole pandemic, one of the things that kept me sane, we, myself, John, and Ira got together at John Esposito's almost weekly. Like, after the initial, uh, you know, month or two, you know, where everyone was kind of quarantined, um, we started getting together and have rehearsed like every week for like the last year. And it's been um, wow. pretty amazing. And we're working on John's music, which is very difficult. And and um, so it's, it's been great. And we're going to be actually going in the studio again soon. I'm glad but to hear that. Back, but back to Ira, yeah, you know, he's just an amazing player. And um, talk about like a team player, you know, and, and also a guy that plays in all different genres. You know, including like Sting, major like pop stuff, and he just brings that same sort of like consummate professional attitude and and level of playing to everything. Yeah, very rangy guy in terms of his musicality. I mean, he could play with Mark Cohen one night yes. and then Tony Williams. You know, so right, I mean, it's right. it's quite a range. Another guy on the list that's been on the show, another 
fantastic musician that I'm pretty sure you know well is Clyde Jones. Mm-hmm. I believe initially we met through um, this great group of musicians that you know, are mutual to us. Uh, my friend Dave Lavender, a great guitarist, I believe that was the connection. Mm-hmm. But it was definitely like in Long Island or the city. Yeah, uh, he's a great player, uh, also a, a really nice guy, yeah. down-to-earth guy. Yeah, yes. What about Rory Block? You ever play with her? Yeah, I toured with Rory extensively. Yeah, I thought so. 1996-97, all over the States and Europe. She's a great artist. Mm-hmm. I think Gary Burke played with her as well, another area drummer that I love. Mm-hmm. Did you ever work with Robbie Dupree? I think you guys worked together too. Yeah. I mean, he was on many of the shows. Um, I'd play with Orleans or John Hall band, you know, as a guest here and there. And I never was in Robbie's band, but we've certainly done a lot of, you know, just a lot of different varied things. Yeah. But never, never in his band, per se. You know, a lot of musicians, session players especially, people of your caliber, when they're not on the road touring with a name act, they've still got to make money and get the job done and play out locally and things like that. I notice a lot of session players form bands together. And the first time I ever saw you play, I believe it was at the Tinker Street Cafe, if I'm not mistaken, in a band called mm-hmm. Lunch Meat. Remember those guys? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I used to go out and see Lunch Meat and Uncle Funk and these type of bands that had guys like you and Gary and, and um, Jerry Murata and Tony right. Levin and, you know, all those guys. Mm-hmm. Who was the bass uh, player? That was Carl Adama. Okay. Great bass player. And the guitarist whose band it was his, you know, he was, it was kind of his band was Ken McGloin. Ken McGloin, okay. And the other, the other guitarist was uh, Jason Foster. Okay, so I mean, there's there's so many great players in the area, um, mm-hmm. you know, and there were so many bands like that that were kind of thrown together. Uh, and you would think you'd go out and see them play, and you'd think this is you know some famous band that's made ten albums, and it's really just session mm-hmm. players getting together to make a little extra money and have some fun, I guess. Yeah, although Lunch Meat wasn't that. Lunch Meat was actually, that, that was like a rehearsed, put-together band that I joined kind of midway through where they had been together for a while, and I just subbed on a gig, and it just so happened that, like, I can't remember the producer's name offhand, but he was like this huge producer that had done, like, Guns N' Roses and all this stuff, and he was at Tinker Street Cafe to see lunch meet and then we ended up doing all these like showcases in the city and came very close to a record deal. Wow, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, yeah, that was an actual like band, you know, that was an act that almost got signed. But certainly, back to your initial thing, there were, I mean, it's funny, somebody sent me this Tinker Street advertisement from like the Woodstock Times and it was like, 1994 or something it was like the monthly calendar and the list of acts it was like i was probably playing there like four or five nights a week with different bands every night and some of the same like me and rob leon were in like three of the different bands and you know it could be uncle funk it could be you know some of these other groups that we were playing in and um, I was doing every Sunday night at that point. I was running a jam, jazz jam session 
it was an interesting time like that. Yeah, when we weren't out on tour, we were playing out almost every night around here. You know, I know you you knew Rob Leon really well, and I'm hoping that maybe you could say a little something about him as well, because he was a really important staple of this area. I know he moved to Florida and then passed right. away, and what yeah. a great loss to the area. I mean, I always looked up to Rob as like a like a, the next Jaco Pastore is like reincarnated. This guy was a seriously yeah. great bass player. What are your recollections of Rob Leon? Well, first of all, we were like brothers. I mean, like, you know, we were extremely tight. Both from the city, it turned out we both went to Powell Memorial High School, which we realized, you know, soon after meeting. And he was an unbelievably great guy and great musician. And he was a guitarist first and just as good or even maybe better guitarist than he was a bass player. He's obviously a great bass player. He was supernaturally talented. I mean, he could sit down, play drums, and sound great. Yeah. He was an amazing musician, and I came here in 88, and I think he left in 98. So, like, during that 10 years, I mean, we played together constantly, and we were in Rory Block's band together, and... We also did John Hall's band together and went to Japan, and so we toured a lot, and you know, we were extremely tight. You know, unfortunately, his life was cut short, but certainly a great, great guy and great musician. Amazing, an amazing musician. Everybody looked up to Rob, and between yeah. the you and Rob, I mean, you can't ask for much more from a rhythm section than you guys. Yeah, so I'll just mention again, this track that's on this new John Hall record that just came out features me and Rob on this song, Lessons. And when I first started playing with John, he put together this John Hall band, and it was just me, Rob, and John. And it was kind of a really great thing at the time, like it was John stepping out more as a player than he ever had. You know, he was always kind of a songwriter, very famous as a guitarist, but he's not a guy that you would hear, I guess, unless the early days of Orleans where they were jamming a lot, where you wouldn't hear him taking a lot of solos or long solos. And so in this, it was kind of like this trio setting where he really got to stretch out. And we did this album on, on a distant star. And anyway, he's re-releasing this track, Lessons, that's worth everyone checking out and check out John's album too it's really great well I know I will I'm a fan of John yeah. Hall's yeah and it's a good track with me and Rob good enough for me before we get out of here Peter I'd like to play one last thing perhaps something from John Esposito can we do that sure the great Peter O'Brien on drums listen
Fantastic, Peter. I thank you profusely for coming on the show today and, and sharing your memories of some of these great area musicians and your own career as well. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure, Rick. I'm going to come out and see you play, too. Now that everybody is getting back out there and doing their thing, we've got a lot of live music to catch up on. Well, thanks for having me. Anytime. You're listening to The Rick Z Show. I'm your host, Rick Z. Produced and engineered every week by Josie Grant. We'll see you next time for another exciting guest.